1: Thank you.
2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or
1: situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 144 of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Taporik, and today we're going to talk about two very tied conference finals series. Both series are knotted at two games apiece. So we're going to recap what happened in games three and four and give some updated predictions on what we expect to happen, hopefully, in games five, six, and seven. Before we get underway, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter, at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, it's going better than the NFL, Brian. (laughs) Yeah, man. I just I literally like I have not been online all day. I just got home from a run. So I'm just catching up on this now. But my God, Uh, Mm -hmm. kudos to the NFL for
2: people have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now Cova Insurance.
1: It's like they couldn't have handled this national anthem thing any worse the entire time. And then they keep hitting new lows. It's really a a good analogy for the Trump administration, too. It is. They just go hand in hand. It's amazing. Yeah. Anytime you hand Donald Trump a W, that's the biggest L you've ever taken. So, (laughs) shouts to the NFL for continuing to set a new low. Luckily, more the NBA is setting a new high. I mean, it looked a couple days ago... You know, it looked like we were headed toward a blowout city in both of these series. Boston was up 2-0. The Warriors, you know, take a commanding 2-1 lead. Everyone's writing the Rockets off, saying they're dead in the water. You know, <laughs> fast forward to Wednesday, we're tied at two games apiece in each series, going back to Boston for Game 5 Wednesday night, Houston for Game 5 Thursday night. So since the Eastern Conference renews first, or, you know, the, the Game 5 is earlier, we're going to start with them, then we'll move to the West. So, more, you know, we, when Boston was up 2-0, we said, you know, they're going back to Cleveland. The big hope, if you're a Cavs fan, is like, maybe our supporting cast isn't going to be such a tire fire that it was on the road. Lo yeah. and behold, Game 3, they wake up, win by 30 points. J.R. Smith starts hitting shots. George Hill takes some more offensive responsibility off of LeBron James. I mean, in Game 3, LeBron James only had 12 field goal attempts, which is huge. Uh, just a w- nice, well-rounded effort. Six calves in double figures, so they win by thirty there. And then Game Four, I mean, man, it, it was the LeBron James show. But again, you got you know thirteen points from Tristan Thompson, thirteen from George Hill. Uh, Kevin Love actually had a pretty bad game, all things considered. But J.R. Smith again came through with three threes. So now we're headed back to Boston, two games apiece. What did you see in Games Three and Four? they give you hope if you're a Cavs fan moving forward in the series.
3: Improved Cavaliers defense. Yeah. Yeah, like big time. And and who would have thought they had it given how crappy they've looked over the last couple of years really. I mean, it they just became cohesive. Kyle Korver suddenly became a shot blocker out of nowhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was fun. No, it just it seemed like they play with I I guess a sense of desperation, and yet that's that's actually not giving them fair credit because they were also disciplined. Mm-hmm. I think they just improved. They they just came out and and swung from the fences and and had a tremendous defensive effort in two games. And compi- combine that with the fact that Boston just hasn't been able to get their offense going on their own terms. Mm-hmm. It, it just led to two victories, and and rightly so. I mean. Boston didn't play well enough to to get enough separation and Cleveland took advantage and that, that's all she wrote for those two games.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think game 3 LeBron really led the way with the defensive effort. He set the tone early and I think you know, the fact that his supporting cast stepped up, that George Hill took some more of the point guard mm. responsibilities, you know, LeBron didn't have to carry as much of a load on offense so he could preserve more of his energy for defense. And I think that really set the tone for the rest of the team. But as you said, Kyle Korver shot blocker was not a, uh, not something I expected to see in this series. Also, where was Larry Nance in the first two games, Tyloo? Like he played 15 total minutes in the first two games. And then in games three and four had a pretty big impact off the bench. So, you know, I think, what we've seen, or what what it seems like is happening, is Tyloo is finally starting to move, basically to an eight man rotation. He realizes Rodney Hood is just a garbage pile at this point. Not to say that he's like ruined forever, but for whatever reason, <laughs> he just has yeah. been terrible throughout the entire playoffs. So he got a DNP in Game Four. You know, Jordan Clarkson only played four minutes in Game Four. Again, you know, not to say I'm writing Jordan Clarkson off. Completely as an NBA player, but defensively in this series, they every time he's on the floor, Boston just goes right at him, which we mentioned, you know, in our uh, after games one and two. And Boston, and these
3: were major acquisitions at the deadline, <laughs> right? It's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I what I mean, you had to know, like neither Clarkson never came with the reputation as a good defender. Hood, like you see his body, and you think he would be, but he's never been like an all-world defender by any means. and I think right. you know the fact that they are these trade deadline acquisitions, they're getting used to a new system. they're not playing all that much. they don't have that many practices. they're still both young players like they just might not be ready for this moment, you know, give them a full off season and we'll see next year, maybe mm-hmm. they'll be better acclimated depending on what happens with LeBron James um, but I just think you know right now, Tyloo is realizing, like, I need to stick with the core four who have been here the whole time with, you know, LeBron, Tristan, Kevin Love, J.R. Smith. Kyle Korver is a playoff tested battle or a battle tested playoff veteran. Um, George Hill, at least, has been through the ringer with, you know, playoff experience as well. And then again, Jeff Green, like <laughs> he has not been good, but at least he's a veteran. You you know what you're getting out of him. And then yeah, like Nance really <laughs> Is that the worst compliment ever? Yeah. <laughs> he's not good, but he's a veteran. Uh yeah, I mean, probably, but like, you know, at least he's a 6'8, six, 6'9 six, wing versus like Jordan Clarkson, who is a 6'4 walking layup line. Okay, so
3: he's tall. Yeah. Hey, Jeff hey. Green, the best compliment I can pay you is
1: you're tall. <laughs> and Against old. Boston, that's got a bunch of these interchangeable wings and forwards, like, that's what you need. You need 6'9 yeah. guys. Jordan Clarkson you're is dope. just a liability. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I thought in game three, uh, Tatum got pulled. I think he. Yeah, he got pulled, like, really early. I I don't remember if he got... Was it it was Tatum or Brown? One of them picked up two fouls early. But I think it was... I think Brown picked up the two fouls early. And I think Tatum, I want to say, got pulled within the first couple minutes. And it just seemed to throw off the rotation and, like, the substitution pattern for the rest of the game. Like, we saw 11 mm-hmm. minutes of Yabusele, which I <laughs> did not at all expect to see in this series. So, that's, you know, that that's something to watch moving forward is, like... Look, Boston. You know, because of all their injuries, they are really thin right now. Like it's a realistically, it's a seven-man rotation. You're going to get a bit, a little bit of semi O'Jale every game. But it's like they are five starters: Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines. So, if a guy like Tatum or Brown gets into foul trouble, Brown's gotten five fouls in each of the last two games. You know, that's that's a storyline to watch moving forward. Yeah, Marcus Morris. The self-proclaimed best LeBron defender, not named Kawhi Leonard, said he defended LeBron like shit in Game 3. I don't want to pin it entirely on him. I think the thing that I noticed, at least especially in Game 4, it seems like LeBron has just figured out their switching patterns and like how to get Terry Rozier on him. And Uh then when Terry Rozier is on him, he just goes into full Terminator mode, which makes me so happy. Like, (laughs) nothing brings me more joy than seeing LeBron just destroy Terry Roger. So that's something that Brad Stevens needs to figure out because in the closing minutes of Game 4, Roger was not on the floor. He had Marcus Smart in as his starting point guard.
3: Which is just not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination because Smart has been horrific offensively. Defensively, he's been the good old traditional Marcus Smart, but, I mean, let me just look up uh, the numbers here yeah so smart is shooting 11 of 38 on the field <laughs> in four games including uh, three of 17 from downtown he leads the team in turnovers so that's not great yeah and when he's one of your like you just said like he brad stevens is having like a seven eight man rotation so when one of your guys are putting up that kind of offensive stats you're playing at a disadvantage that's just a problem and when Semih Ochile, who's averaging almost 14 minutes per game this series, is shooting 27% from the field and averaging just two and a half points, that's additionally hard. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, think he, this, I think Greg Monroe is a problem to have on the court because he can't really guard in space. Mm-hmm. But I would be inclined to give him more minutes just because he will at least put up some points. Mm-hmm. And I think the Celtics just need it. Maybe not at home, but when the series returns to Cleveland because they have trouble on the road. I mean, they just cannot get their shit together. I mean, let's just <laughs> yeah. be honest. Um, also, side note: I, I realized the game was lost in the in the in, in game three, but having Jalen Brown and Ojale play basically the same amount of minutes mm-hmm. in a playoff game mm-hmm. should always be a no go. Like, that's <laughs> right. that's not great. Yeah. Like that's that's a problem. But yeah, I mean. I'm looking forward to the game in Boston just because I think we'll see two teams playing a little bit more equally, equally because, you know, for some reason Boston just checks out mentally on the road. Like mm-hmm. they did catch up a little bit in game 4 mm-hmm. and they were within striking distance, mm-hmm. but did I mean I don't know about you, but I never felt the game was out of Cleveland's hands at any point. Like it was just a matter of flipping on a switch. I I would when I was watching the game, at no point did I go, "Oh, yeah, the Boston's coming back from this one." they're gonna gonna get it no i mean i was like yeah they're gonna come close lebron's gonna go all nuclear and then that's it
1: yeah they they like hovered in that like eight to 12 points behind for a long time and it was Mm -hmm. like oh if cleveland goes dry for like two minutes this is a game again but you're right like cleveland did manage to come up with big shots time and again to you know stave off any sustained run and Lu was really yeah. smart with his timeouts I thought in the fourth quarter especially mm. like I remember there was one one run that cut it to 10 I think and he immediately called timeout like he was he just had no tolerance for like you know we're not taking chances here we're not letting them get any momentum we're just gonna stop it call a timeout let's chart up a play let's get back up to 12 or 13 like let's let's not give them any hope in this game Right, and
3: his substitution pattern. I mean, look, taking Tristan out as soon as Al Horford goes out mm-hmm. like, to give give him a blow is just great because Tristan has played Horford fantastic, fantastically this this entire series. Honestly, he's just mm-hmm. his activity level, his long arms, the fact that he just he's such a a nuisance, and only on few occasions has Al really gotten the best of him. Where he's just like made one hell of a strong post move and finished on the other side of the rim. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just been this second jump, the third jump, just the activity level of Thompson where Horford is just being, I don't want to say nullified because that's harsh, but damn close too.
1: Like you can't really, yeah. That's fair. Like he had seven points in game three on two of four shooting. Right. That's, I would say that's nullified. He was better in game four, but. You know, after the game, after game three, they were like, we can't have another game where Al Horford only gets four shots.
3: Yeah. But here's the problem in game four. And Jeff and Gundy actually talked about this as well. Like Al started shooting threes off screens, like coming off screens and started shooting threes. Mm -hmm. That's not him. That's not his game. Like he is a very, um, like he's very much. Isolated to being like a, a spot up shooter yep. in a standstill position. Like he's yep. not a guy who'll run off back screens <laughs> like he's played Thompson. Right. And I, I think I counted two of those attempts where he just went, "What? Yeah. No, that's 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 a bad shot." And you don't really associate Boston and in particular Al Horford with a bad shot selection. Right. So I'm I'm hoping that Brad Stevens you know cleans that up for tonight.
1: Yeah, it brought me a lot of joy because their shot selection was so good throughout most of that Sixers series, and our <laughs> the Sixers shot selection was so bad that it felt good to see the tables turn, because Boston fans were just so goddamn salty throughout like all of Game 4. It brought me a lot of joy, because I'm still healing from what they did to us. I can tell, yeah. yeah. Um, Here
3: we are talking about Al Horford spotting up, and you <laughs>
1: somehow managed... To turn it into our
3: Sixers thing, I, 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 I can sense your pain, Brian.
1: Yeah. Well, I just thought of Marco Bellinelli. He he was taking some Marco Bellinelli shots, and he was like, like he Marco was. Bellinelli, They were nowhere close to going in. But yeah, no, yeah it was
3: bad. It was weird. Like, I, did you ever think Horford would take those kind of shots?
1: No, you're totally right. Like he he is the guy who stands above the break, and you know he can hit those catch and shoot threes. When a defense breaks down, like, and they just don't rotate to him and he's wide open. And and when he catches those, you're like, oh, shit, he's going to hit it. And he usually mm-hmm. does. But, yeah, I mean, he should not. He's not Kyle Korver. He's not J.J. Redick. He's not Clay Thompson. He, like, <laughs> don't don't take those shots. And I think I have a feeling going into game five, that's going to be Brad Stevens' main message is like, look, guys, we, you know, we prove we can win at home. All we have to do is hold home court. Or hold serve at home for the rest of this series, and we're going to the finals. Just play disciplined basketball. Like, that's what got us yeah. here. You know, that, that's really what was the biggest difference between us and Milwaukee in the first round, us and Philly in the second round, us against Cleveland in these first two games. We were the more disciplined team. And in games three and four, as you said, for whatever reason, Boston's home road splits uh, throughout the playoffs have been outrageous. They're now nine and 0 in home, I believe, one and six on the road. So, you know, Cleveland has to go in and be the first team to beat them at home in the playoffs. Which is, they have a LeBron James. I'm not going to count him out from that. But, you know, as James proved in Game 2, he can have, like, a meteoric game. But if the rest of the supporting cast doesn't show up, it doesn't matter. So, you know, it, it's the whole thing of supporting cast tends to play better on the road. Or on at home, worse on the road. You've got some inconsistent guys in Cleveland notably J.R. Smith. I think the Tristan Thompson thing is going to be, you know, that that might be the X factor of this whole series. If he continues to battle Al Horford to a standstill, uh, that's going to be huge because, you know, in the mm-hmm. second half of Game 4 they come out, Al Horford got onto Kevin Love a couple times early in the half um, and just destroy him every time. So if they can continue working that matchup, getting Love switched on to Horford instead of Thompson... That's something that could, you know, they, they can keep going to, I think. But at the other end, they really need to figure out this LeBron-Terry-Roger situation. They need to, you know, it, it might be like what Houston started to do. Like, sometimes you don't switch. You know, you, you don't switch on every possession because if you have Roger on LeBron, it's over. Like, you need to... Right whoever is on LeBron may just need to stick on LeBron no matter what I and mean, if you want to switch with the other four guys that's fine but like that that may be an adjustment you need to make because you cannot under any circumstances afford to have roger continue to switch on braun
3: right and when LeBron is the ball handler and he has George Hill screen for him I would just go under the screen and stick with the matchup yeah like let let LeBron shoot I yeah. mean I know he's an improved shooter but if he throws up 15 three-pointers, I'm going to live with that. Yeah. The problem is with LeBron as a screener because, mm. <laughs> you know, he's a freight train. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Brian from the Glue Guys Nets show on Almighty Baller. Just wanted to talk to you about sponsor and friend of the network, HelloFresh. So I've had a few meal kit delivery services in my day. I, for one, am very excited to be having HelloFresh as a sponsor. So I am a kind of a deadbeat And a pretty disorganized person in my life. And one thing that I very much appreciate about HelloFresh's business was I had left town for a while while they were delivering the package. And I came home two days later, after it had been delivered, and discovered that it was perfectly preserved. Nothing wrong. Two days in a New York City, insanely hot October for some reason, and it was perfectly preserved My produce was fine. My meats were fine. Everything was totally fine. Lots of ice packages all over the place, really closely wrapped. I very much appreciated the fact that I wasn't gonna have to let my HelloFresh packages go to waste. That felt really good to me. Also an important thing to note, while I am a deadbeat in some ways, I'm not in others. I do actually do a fair amount of cooking, and I really appreciate HelloFresh for this reason too, sometimes you get these you know, delivery services and you get all these kinds of off-brand things in the package It's none of it's really what you're used to I got King's Hawaiian Rolls with my burgers this time like, the brand the, the, the actual thing, and it, was, and it was such a breath of fresh air to see a, a brand that I was very familiar with, liked a lot coming inside the package and it made all the difference for my Juicy Lucy burgers that I whipped up So all that's to say, HelloFresh is easily my favorite of of the services. Tons of choices. You got classic style, family style, even vegetarian meals. Lots of benefits to subscribing. Um, You can get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash almighty60 and enter Almighty60. That's hellofresh.com backslash Almighty60, A L M I G H T Y 60, and enter Almighty60. It's like receiving six meals free or up to 50% off three boxes.
3: But can, can we just like take a moment and also go back and, and yell at Twitter after the first two games of this series? Because <laughs> I saw a lot of takes about, oh, Boston doesn't need. Kyrie Irving oh, yeah and gordon yeah. gordon hayward right like they should see if they could dump them into the summer like what right. yeah that what? was
1: david thorpe of espn had some yeah and in his defense i think he was saying like look boston's gonna have some really hard choices coming up in the next couple of years in terms of salary cap uh like you just cannot retain all of Horford, Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, right. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. You just can't do it. Like, Even unless this new sports gambling like creates an influx, like a salary cap spike even bigger than the one in 2016, it's just not going to happen. So I think he was saying, like, just see what the market is for a guy like Irving, who has one year left on his deal, has some bad right. knees... Which I don't disagree with. I think Hayward, you're keeping no matter what. I, but Irving, I, I, it wouldn't totally shock me if they at least explored his market this summer. But yes, like they they are a better team with two additional all right. stars.
3: <laughs> but <laughs> that, even if they moved Kyrie, like it was more the hot takes from everyone else saying just get them off the books. Yeah. Because here, what you're proposing is a trade where you get something in return for Kyrie. Maybe right. not equal value, but you right, get something right. else. Like you get more depth. Yeah. And what I'm arguing here is, look at this squad right now. When when Marcus Smart is averaging nearly 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and Semi Ojeley is averaging almost 14, mm-hmm. that means you need more guys. You need right. more bodies. Yeah. So obviously, I, I I'm simply ridiculing the idea that. That these Boston Celtics are just like, oh, we can spare Kyrie <laughs> Irving. We can spare Gordon Hayward. Like that's right. that's just ridiculous and it's a, a horrible notion. By the way, I, I need to ask you this question because I got I I I just I've been thinking about it a couple of days. It's dumb. I'm gonna warn you, it's okay. dumb, it's not gonna happen, I'm especially excited. because Brad Stevens has said repeatedly won't happen. But mm-hmm. let's assume we end up in a game seven in Boston. Mm-hmm. Do you Willis read Kyrie Irving for the first two five you know two to five minutes?
1: <laughs> My god, no. No, 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 no. Not if you ever no. If nope. anything, I would Willis read Gordon Hayward. At least he's had what six months of recovery? Hay-
3: Kyrie went down oh, a month like ago. That. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I like that. Then we switch to Hayward, but look, if Hayward started that game, came in played like five minutes oh my god he, he would get the entire garden on his i mean behind him the entire intensity would just increase
1: i would just instead get paul pierce get him in a wheelchair and see if i could get like a injury exception so we can get <laughs> paul pierce in a wheelchair out to take the opening tip that, no that but i mean I,
3: the reason i'm asking is because i was i was just you know, kind of nostalgic, and I was looking at some YouTube videos, some you know, the old moments like of NBA history, like Jordan's mm-hmm. flu game, and re- we haven't really had one of those iconic moments in a while. Where since, it's something since like, the
1: Paul f- wheelchair
3: that doesn't count. Also sort of <laughs> fake, but I mean, we haven't really had one of those that just like big emotional moments where you just go oh this is this is so this is so mesmerizing we're gonna remember this
1: 20 yeah. years down the road or like magic I, starting I just, at center in the 80 oh yeah yeah
3: In the in the 80 finals where he had 42 points 15 boards and seven assists i remember that i've seen that game so many times on youtube yeah 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 i, I just i thought it could be cool have something that was just a little bit out of the ordinary
1: I, I don't think Boston. I I mean, a they're not gonna. Oh do no, that. They, they definitely no no no. They definitely I should not do that. That would be very <laughs> reckless. But I mean, I don't think they need a gimmick like that. Honestly, like I, I know you know now. It feels like the series is tied two two. They just Cavs just won two games. LeBron's playing well. The supporting cast is playing yeah. well. So now it feels like oh Cavs and six for sure. I don't necessarily, you know, it might happen that way, but like again, Boston's nine and zero at home. Their supported cast plays really well at home. I They're know. gonna have some days to marinate. Like Brad but Stevens, it's LeBron game I know. seven, dude. Like you
3: need every gimmick you can get <laughs> if you're up against LeBron <laughs> in a game seven.
1: Yeah, that's that's the problem. Like I would say that we're now entering elimination game LeBron mode. And like, That's if he's thing. been playing this well without being in elimination game mode, like I still yeah. remember that forty-five point fifteen rebound game against Boston in Game Six a few years ago. It was like mm-hmm. just one of the most dominating, terrifying performances I've ever seen from a basketball player. And it was it was at the Garden, right? Right. So, goddamn it, where's Delonte?
3: <laughs> we need to find Delonte, and we need to find Delonte like right now you need to give Delancey like courtside
1: tickets. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then LeBron would break Wilt's record. He would go for (laughs) a (laughs) hundred. Oh man. All right. So I I think both of us after it started 2-0, both of us were leaning toward Boston in this series. Now it's tied 2-2. What's your read on this series moving forward?
3: Well, I have a new rule I implemented on myself. I'm not going to You know, predict series that has LeBron James in them.
1: (laughs) It's too tiring.
3: Yeah, it's it's just so it's so frustrating because you don't know. Like, look, if you look at the Pacers series as well, like the Pacers had them. Yeah, they had them right there. They outscored them by forty. Yeah, they had them, and and LeBron happened. (laughs) Right. Yeah like he made, he made that buzzer beater and every and and after that like yeah like that series would have been over if not for LeBron. I'm not going to sit here anymore and go, yeah, I think this and that when when it comes to LeBron. I'm out. I'm out of that game. I'm retiring
1: <laughs> when it comes to LeBron. That's fair cuz I I mean compared to Warriors Rockets where I think I still lean more heavily toward one side than the other. This one, I'm like, I'm with you. I have no effing clue. Like, I think Boston win game five. And then I would assume we're going to get a monster LeBron performance in game six to send it back to Boston in game seven. And then at that yeah. point, it's a game seven. And I don't know what the hell happens because, you know, weird shit happens in game sevens. So I'm going
3: to go a little different. I think he has the big performance tonight.
1: Oh, interesting! and yeah, sends it back think, to Cleveland up 3-2. I
3: think he has he, I think he's going to go all out tonight and have a huge game like 50.
1: Ooh. Oh man.
3: And then in game 6, which is at home where you know that Boston struggles a little bit, mm-hmm. that's when he'll I don't want to say coast, but he'll sit back and be a facilitator. Yeah. He'll be the running he'll be the quarterback and he'll you know, just let everyone else have their turn. Mm-hmm. He'll take timely jump shots, timely drives, and then they could get it at si- in six. The yeah. thing here is, the big question is if he has that big game tonight. Mm-hmm. Can Boston have another game up their sleeves where they overcome such a performance? Mm. Because he's had one already, where yeah. Boston came out with a W. Yep. The thing is, can they do that twice in one series? Yeah.
1: Meaning tonight. Right. Yeah.
3: And and that's that's a good ass question because I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Nor do I. So it, it'll be it's gonna be fun to see either way. Uh and, and like you, I, I have no strong conviction in this series either way. I I don't really care what happens. Like at this point I think whichever team moves on is gonna get Destroyed in the finals anyway. Yeah. So... Like, that's
3: one LeBron prediction I I might... (laughs) I might take on.
1: Yeah. No matter... Yeah. No matter what... Whoever emerges from the West is going to be the NBA champion. Right. Yeah. And then, after, you know,
3: Game 3 or something, when Cleveland has... It, or it's down like two one, and LeBron is starting to heat up. Then I'll change my answer again. I right. don't know. Right? <laughs> Things are just weird. Yeah, are just weird when he's involved. I, I could. Can we actually agree that this Cavs team, this era Cavs team, like since two thousand and fourteen, basically, mm-hmm. just you know, Le, LeBron Part Two, mm-hmm. is one of the weirdest NBA teams oh, of all yeah. time.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, Winhurst had a really good article the other day about the organizational fatigue that the Cavs are under, um, which I think just comes with the scrutiny of LeBron James, comes with, you know, three straight trips to the finals, comes with... Mm the The double roster overhaul that they've undergone comes with Kevin Love being in trade rumors for three years. You know Tristan Thompson's off court stuff that he was dealing with uh, toward the end of the regular season. Um, you know I, I think it all just weighs on this team, and you know now just the fact that they like just so comprehensively overhaul their roster. I mean, again, there's only four guys who have been there. You know, from two years ago. Which is wild. Like yeah. you wouldn't think that about an NBA champion. Like the last one that I remember being blown apart this quickly was the uh twenty eleven Mavs, I guess. Or I guess like, mm-hmm. you know, even the twenty thirteen Heat, but that's only because LeBron James left and they still had Wade and Bosch for a while. Or yeah. the nineties Bulls. Because yeah, that's the true. first
3: three peed was only Mike and Pip. Yeah. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, the, uh, the the only holdovers were Mike and Pip. Every every other player was was gone when Jordan played baseball. Mm-hmm. Or and the not even half season he played in 94 95.
1: Yeah. That's a good point, but overall, it's, I think it's just I think Windhorse column if y'all have not read it yet, go check it out. It was really good. It Gave a good inside look as at like what the environment is when LeBron James plays for your team for four years. And it's something that, you know, we'll talk about his free agency a bunch between now and July 1st, but it's something that his free agent suitors need to consider. Like this is the end result after four years. Mm. And it was like this in Miami and now Cleveland. So. Oh, wait, J.R. Smith. Yeah. It, yeah. J. It was JR, Tristan, Kevin, and LeBron. Oh, like yeah, before. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mort, let's move on now to the Western Conference Finals. And Game 3, uh, Steph, I think it's safe to say that Steph Curry is healthy again. You know, there was, <laughs> there, yeah. we, we talked about it uh, after Game 2, like how worried should the Warriors be about Steph, and neither one of us were all that worried. We just figured he's mm-hmm. in a slump, he's going to come back home, he's going to do his Oracle thing. Lo and behold... He did his Oracle thing in Game 3, you know, led the Warriors to a 41-point blowout. Biggest margin of victory in the playoffs for them. Biggest margin of defeat for the Rockets. You know, it was, everyone started writing the Rockets obituary. Game 4, Warriors come out, start the game 12 uh, <laughs> I Do you think all it takes exposed last night, Bort? Did he just stay up till, like, 6 in the morning retweeting takes from, like, the middle of the first quarter? Because, <laughs> it, like, it, I just saw yeah. so many people, you know, you know, and, and people I respect, but, like, Matt Moore, of the Action Network, jumps to mind immediately. He was, you know, he said something like, not only does this game feel over, but, like, the series, the season, it's all over. And we're in the middle of the first quarter. And, like, I get it. It's the Warriors. They do these, like massive runs and they have four all-stars and they have two of the three of the greatest shooters of all time like I understand the avalanche feeling but the Mm. Rockets withstood those punches the Rockets came back took a lead going into halftime James Harden had a virtuoso second quarter then the Warriors come back do their third quarter thing take a 10 point lead going into the fourth and again the Rockets battle back I mean it was just a rock fest at the end of that game neither team was playing good offense Um, And Steve Kerr, after the game, said, like, look, we just ran out of gas. They didn't have Andre Iguodala Mm -hmm. in Game 4. He had a left leg bruise, which is something to monitor moving forward. Klay Thompson also suffered a left knee injury forced into the locker room briefly in Game 4. He did come back to return, but again, something to monitor because he didn't look – you know, if we're we're talking about guys on the Warriors who didn't look right as shooters – Clay Thompson did not look great after he came back from that injury. He, I think he was only uh, – he had 10 points on uh, – yeah, yeah, 10 points For on 4-13 t- th- th- shooting. Yeah,
3: yeah, he's been a problem since, since game one. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, so in game one he had 28 points on mm-hmm. 15 three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. And it, ever since in, in the three remaining games or in the three games since – He's had a total of 31 points and taken just 12 threes. Mm. So the Rockets are... It's a combination of two things. One, Houston has just found a way to kind of close him out and make him less effective. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to put some blame at the feet of Thompson himself because here's the thing. Clay doesn't really run around like Reggie or Rip Hamilton. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And he should. Mm -hmm. Because when he has Harden on him, like there's... It's still James Harden. He will get lost on a back screen here and there. Yeah. The thing with Clay is he stops running. Mm. Like then he just stops up and he waits. Mm-hmm. That that's that's just it's lazy basketball. i I'm, I'm just gonna be completely honest. I'm knocking his performance here because he's just not that engaged, like when he's he's just standing in the corner, he's observing what KD is doing on top of the key, he's observing what Stephen Curry is doing instead of reacting, mm-hmm. like run around in a half circle, make sure that Kevon Looney or even Sean Livingston is big enough to give him some, some back screen, come out the other side, pop, there's the shot, and he doesn't utilize that. He needs to run, and he needs to get out of transition, seek the corners, and he just needs to be more the uh, more aggressive now. The injury might affect him, so mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at the whole Klay Thompson experience in the, in the Western Conference Finals, and outside of Game 1, it's been pretty abysmal.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's shooting under 40% overall. Yeah. So, <laughs> strangely shooting better from three-point range than he is overall. He's 40.7% from three, 393 overall. But you know, the, the, Ra- or the Warriors in general are, you know, shooting 36 from three, which, like, most teams would be perfectly happy with, but they were 39.1 during the regular season. So between, you know, Steph struggles in the first couple games and even uh, in the first half of game three, and then, you know, Draymond, has, he's shooting 11% from three-point range. He's one of nine. Like, they have not gotten much going in terms of their three-point shooting outside of their big three, outside of Durant, Curry, and Thompson, Mm. all of whom have 10 or more threes in the first four games. Nick Young is 6 of 16. Quinn Cook is 3 of 4. But, like, other than that, they got nothing. Iggy, you know, Iggy has only taken two, but he's all of two. And we said that going in. Like, the Warriors have these three explosive shooters, and... Mm at any point, you know, Steph can go off in these, like, third quarter rampages, but if one of those three guys is struggling, there's suddenly, it opens the door for the Rockets. Especially, Especially, you know, like, Harden played really well offensively in the second quarter, not as well in the third quarter, but then Chris Paul took over. Like, Chris Paul raised their Rockets margin of error considerably. And people have been ragging on Paul, you know, throughout the series, but like, man, he came back with a haymaker last night. He came, he, he has a gigantic shots in the third and fourth quarter.
3: It was just his time. He was waiting for it. And I think he read to the, <laughs> the criticism going his way. I, I kind of found it interesting that people were so quick to crap on, uh, on Chris, mm-hmm. like, this guy's resume deserves a little bit more respect, Yeah, I feel. I mean, yeah, he, he hadn't really found his game, but it takes time to to integrate oneself into a, a series, especially one against Golden State, because they're also pretty switchy. Mm-hmm. They're a great defensive team. Uh, Steph is just a nuisance on both sides of the court. I mean, I know that he's not a great individual defender in terms of size, mm-hmm. but he is active. Like, he doesn't stop moving, and that goes defensively as well, and that just frustrates the hell out of you at times. Yeah. So I get that you need to feel sort of acclimated to the pace of the series that, that the Warriors want to go in, and Chris is feeling stuff out, and and last night it just it worked for him. Like, he found his rhythm, and, and they came through. What I'm amazed at is, is Houston is shooting 34%, 34.5% from three this series – and it's 2-2. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge win in and of itself. Yeah. If they have one game where they just go bananas from three and Lord knows they can, I mean, that's going to be 3-2.
1: Yeah, right. And now they're going home again where, going home. you know, game two, their supporting cast stepped up in a huge way. Reza, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, all of whom... Uh, Gordon had 14 points in game four, but on 14 shots... You know, Reza was only two of four. Tucker was zero Those guys have been, especially Reza and Tucker, have been making their impact felt elsewhere. Yep. I mean, Tucker had sixteen boards. Both of them had a couple steals, uh, a block each. So defensively, like, you know, they they've made their impact. But yeah, if they if they start providing some complementary offense. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it is very well could be 3 2 Houston going back to Golden State for game six. Um, you, you know what the big key here
3: is? PJ Tucker's been better than Draymond. Mm. I think that's huge because when you look at matchups, especially going into the series, mm-hmm. you kind of just assume, oh, Dre's going to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this and this and that. This guy's a role player. Like you pigeonhole people. Mm hmm. PJ Tucker I think objectively speaking has been better than Draymond this year. He's been more efficient as a shooter. He's been a damn good rebounder. I think 16 last night was yeah. It 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah, 16 in game 4. And that was with him actually not shooting all that well. I think he was 0 mm-hmm. 4 Yeah. But like he's providing several layers that is just helping Houston. Like he is just he's been a major key of theirs and Draymond can't hit anything. Yeah. Like, he's been fine as a defender, as a rebounder, as a passer, and all that. Mm-hmm. But when you can't make an open three, you're a problem.
1: Yeah. And he also had he had five turnovers alone yeah. in game four. He's leading the team with 13 throughout the first four games. 13 of
3: 48. Yeah. 13 of the 48 turnovers Golden State have had yeah. in the
1: first four games. Yep. Not, not to mention he got blocked by the rim in game four, which looms somewhat large in a three-point uh-huh. game. Yeah, that's just a Draymond special. I feel at this point it happens
3: once every series. I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Ed James Harden murder dunked on him. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that so was harsh. He has to retire now too. That's that's a yeah. big thing. So well, Harden,
3: Harden need to do. He had to do something after Sean Livingston made him oh, look like
1: yeah at deer <laughs> in the headlights. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but in Harden's defense, I mean, you know, we rag on him, everyone rags on him for his defense. He really made some big plays in game four. Like, he, mm. he in the second quarter especially, he had a couple steals that he poked away, ran it out for a run-out transition opportunity, easy basket. Like, that second quarter swing really took the Golden State mm. crowd out of it going in halftime. Then, of course, the Warriors, you know, do their Warriors thing, quarter, explode yeah. in the third quarter, but again like the fact that he wasn't like he was atrocious defensively throughout parts of the first few games the fact he you know paid more attention and exerted more effort on that side of the court in game four i think much like lebron for the Cavs in game three i think when your star is doing that especially a star with the re- defensive reputation of james harden it's at right. the tone for the rest of the team
3: can i ask you a question about that do you think it's because Harden is figuring out that superstar calls also work defensively. It's mm. an interesting theory. Because, you know, let's be honest. They do. Superstar mm-hmm. calls are, are not just isolated to offensive calls. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the big time players, they get away with fouls. They, you know, they, they make steals that are actually fouls. Mm-hmm. And they get away with it and i think harden is slowly realizing that he can reach a little bit more uh, play a little bit more aggressively uh you know with the body uh huh like I, I don't know that's i have nothing to to back this up with i i haven't heard anyone talk about it mm-hmm. it's just an observational part on on my behalf like i it just seems like he's trying to actually figure out how far can i go yeah because he plays extremely locked in right now i think we mentioned this on uh, one of the previous podcasts like he's extremely locked in Mm -hmm. he's 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 all the way dedicated to this thing and right now i think he's looking at every angle possible like how can i get gain an advantage yeah and if it means that i need to go in and bump some guys off rhythm and poke my hand in there and and maybe i risk getting a foul call but i'm james harden so i might not Mm mm-hmm I could totally see him working with that mindset right now.
1: Yeah, I could too. I mean, I think for all of these guys, they know the playoffs are more physical. The refs are going to let some incidental contact go, whereas they might mm. not in the regular season. So, yeah, I, I think there's something to the theory of, like, see what I can get away with, test the rest, ref's limit, and then, you know, once I do get that first foul called, all right, that, all right then I know. That drew the line. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after the game, Mike D'Antoni said that's the best he's ever seen his entire team play defense this year, which I agree with. I mean, if if mm-hmm. you told me the Rockets were going to hold the Warriors to ninety-two points, I wouldn't believe you. Yeah,
3: twelve points in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's you know the Rockets had a great defense this year. They were the sixth-ranked defense. It's nothing against the Rockets. Like I know they have a, a very not even above average, like a great defense, but. Mm. it's still the Warriors, you know? Like, at at, at no point, even in the waning minutes of game four, did I feel comfortable. Like, the Rockets had a five-point lead with, like, two and a half left, and then even a three-point lead in the last minute. It's like, well, the Warriors are going to hit a three and send this thing to overtime. Like, they got both sides really dodged some bullets. Like, Eric Gordon missed a big three wide Mm. open with, like, a minute left that, you know, could have effectively iced the game. I mean, the Warriors, we got to talk about that last possession, or I guess technically second to last because they had that .5 second one. But, you know, Steve Kerr afterwards said, he, A, he tried to call timeout, and he saw Draymond try to call timeout, and the refs basically ignored him. Uh, but, B, he's like, otherwise, well, you know, I believe in not, you know, not calling timeout, letting the guys just run the, run the offense, not letting the defense get set. Which I agree with to a point, but, like, I, forget. I think it was uh, Haralobob on Twitter who said, like, once you saw Clay Thompson running around like he was drowning in chocolate milk, that's probably the time you call timeout. Like, yeah. that, that possession had zero co- cohesiveness to it. I felt
3: the last few possessions didn't, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, it was just such a weird game. I, I I saw a lot of people complain about it on Twitter as well. Like, this was one of the best games, and it ended up like that. It was just very, I don't know, kind of disappointing, and, and, and like you were hoping for the big finish,
1: and yeah.
3: I, mean, I don't know what to think about it.
1: Yeah, it felt like Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, where, like, both teams were just so tired, and they just, you know, again, it was like they were throwing rocks at each other, basically. Like, they... They had nothing left to give because, you know, I think we had, there were six players, I want to say, that were over 40 minutes. Like, Dre played 45, KD was 43, Houston had four <laughs> above the 40-minute oh, mark. more. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even realized. Yeah, yeah I mean, Houston, right. Houston had a seven-man rotation in Game 4. Eric
3: Gordon played damn near 45 minutes off the bench. Right,
1: yeah, yeah and that seven-man rotation included Gerald Green for 12. Like, the Luke Mbamute shoulder injury is looming very, very large right now.
3: What's his prognosis?
1: I mean, he... I haven't... I, I think he's healthy. He, like, he just has no confidence in the shoulders, so he's such an offensive liability that they just can't play him. Which may... I mean, Yeah, that's it, a problem. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just like... you. And Ryan need, Anderson
3: still can't get off the bench.
1: No, I think he's too much of a defensive liability. Like, you need yeah. Tucker and Ariza out there as long as their bodies can hold up, but... That's actually, let's go into what's next for them. Because that's, that's my first question. If this series goes seven games, is Houston going to have anything left in the tank? I mean, you could ask the same thing about the Warriors if
3: that Clay Thompson injury is legit. Yeah, or Iggy. Or Iggy, yeah, true. Yeah. Um. I mean, look, we've had the issues before with with harden right where he where he got really fatigued late mm-hmm. in the playoffs mm-hmm. so that's that looms over the whole series as well then you add in that chris paul is what 33 32 33 so he's not going to be able to to just go nuts mm-hmm. like he, after he's playing what 41 minutes yeah no it's a legitimate question like they need something they need someone to come mm-hmm. off the bench and provide something like at the seven man rotation I get it but they need something I I I've, I've been vocal about wanting to see Ryan Anderson in there just because I think he can come in and be like the swing guy in a game mm-hmm. comes in like hits four triples and then leaves again mm-hmm. I mean I don't know they 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 need some spark I think a lot of it's is, is also it's probably pretty taxing playing so much isolation basketball Yeah. Like the Rockets are averaging eighteen assists. Right. That's not a whole lot. Yeah. For the series. And that means the ball isn't moving and it's because of all these switches. You're trying to find the mismatch. I think they would do well in trying to get back to the whole ball movement aspect. Remember game two in Houston Mm -hmm. when Chris Paul just started like you know, with the ball on, uh, in a, on a string, yeah, started making these beautiful straight line passes and kind of directed. Oh yeah, you throw it in the corner. I'm gonna cut here and now. You you hit the cutter. The cutter gets the the ball back out for the open three. Like it was just magical. I think Houston needs to get back to that, and to some extent, Golden State needs to do that too because it frees up Curry that much more when the ball is moving. Mm-hmm. And right now they're just stuck and. I've seen a couple of guys on Twitter say that they kind of they're kind of nervous about Durant's role in this because he's pretty isolation heavy. Like he needs to find his rhythm before he gets his shot off. I'm looking at KD. And I'm going look. The only reason that the Golden State is two and two right now is because KD went nuts. Yeah. Like you you can't really change that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what the next play is. I, I I'm not sure. Like, do you play KDS primarily the screener, and do you go a hell of a lot of pick and pop with him? And then when the, t- the the defense starts to close out on on the three point line, then he swings the ball. Like, what's what does Golden State need to do? That's what I'm more concerned with.
1: Yeah, it's a fair question, especially we don't know the status for Dollar for Game Five. I mean, going into Game Four, he was doubtful Monday, got upgraded to questionable Tuesday. But then Steve Kerr said if he was close, he'd play, which mm. does not seem to bode well for his avail- availability for Game 5. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, Kevon Looney moved into the starting lineup, played relatively well. Um, you know, didn't give much of an offensive punch, but he was... I wouldn't say he was like a glaring net minus. I mean, he was a minus one on the night. Uh, you know, mix. I was
3: so close on my Jordan Bell prediction.
1: I know. Well, Jordan Bell did come off the bench. You got, play. you know, he yeah. did get. Yeah, he did get some run, and I think we'll probably see more of that. And maybe that's you know, if you're looking for some Ryan Anderson minutes, the fact that they have to go with like two semi-conventional bigs, the fact they don't have the Hamptons five at their disposal. Maybe you see some Ryan Anderson against one of those guys, but again, mm-hmm. I think I just think Mike D'Antoni knows it's going to be like the Boston series with uh, with Clarkson or when when LeBron gets switched on Rozier. They're they're going they're going to see Ryan Anderson. They're going to get KD switched on him, and it's going to be lights out. Like and I think that they're just going to milk that every single possession until. Mike Tony pulls Anderson. So
3: have I. Have I mentioned Ryan Anderson is
1: owed 41.6? points? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a that, that's going to be a very fun issue for Houston to navigate this summer. Like if, if they're mm-hmm. trying to clear cap space to get Lebron or Paul George or whoever, they could do it. I, I assume Eric Gordon would have some interest around the league just because he's been such a good scorer in the last couple of years. He's stayed healthy. I don't know how the hell you get off that Ryan Anderson contract unless you offload some significant assets, which Houston doesn't really have outside of like future draft picks way down the line. So
3: yeah, and like way down the line.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah. that's going to be a nightmare. But I, it's a fair question on both sides, more like I, if you're the Golden State, you've got you've just fallen too much into the ISO trap. I think so. You're right. They need to get. Ball movement going, especially. And I think, you know, not having Iggy contributed to that in game four. But you're right. Like, those last couple possessions, especially, were just gross. Like, it's not Warriors basketball. That's not what they have been predicated on ball movement as long as Steve Kerr has been their coach. And, you know, I I would expect, I figured we would see more Steph KD pick and roll, pick and pops with. You know, going into Game Four, and we, at least, I didn't notice a huge increased volume of that. Maybe they're going to mm-hmm. keep that, you know, wrapped away for Game Five, and that could be their difference maker. Um But yeah, other like you can't count on Nick Young. Like, if, <laughs> if you're counting on Nick Young to be your X factor, you're you're going back home down three two.
3: Yeah. No, you're right. I mean. I think part of it is also with Draymond struggling teams can play him much like they do r- Rondo mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. because then you then if you kind of camp out in the lane and Draymond is outside the three point line and he's you know considering taking a shot mm-hmm. like he he gets self confident a lot when he's when his shot is not going down yeah and then he starts to like look for the pass But if your defense has moved towards the basket instead, and you're trying to close up for the four other guys, Mm -hmm. that pass is significantly harder to make. Mm -hmm. Like Rondo has made an effort because he's smaller and thus more nimble. Like then he's going to drive the basketball and see what happens. Because as he nears the rim, like teams will have to come out and adjust because you can't just let Rajon Rondo get a floater on you. (laughs) That same, I mean, and, and I think Draymond needs to take that same approach. Like okay if teams are backing off i need to at least look at the drive and see what opens up when i'm getting like 5 or 7 feet nearer the basket like does the defense rotate onto onto me from someone else does someone else open up mm-hmm. because he's standing there and he's kind of looking he's hesitating and when that shot is not falling that's just a major concern because you leave him like again what what's his, shoot, his true shooting percentage 48.9 with this series <laughs> that's not that's that's really bad and the one of the only thing that's that makes it that much that much higher than you would think is because he's 11 or 13 from the free throw line
1: yeah yeah like yeah. his
3: effective field goal percentage is
1: 38.9 yeah worst on the team by far yep yeah. oh by far yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this series develops. And so more just like with the Boston-Cleveland series, I got to ask you, uh how do you how how do you see this unfolding moving forward?
3: I'm I'm basically where I I left it before. I just I'm rooting for a game 7 and I think mm-hmm. we're pretty much there. I have no idea about the winner in this one. Yeah. Honestly, I have no idea about the winner from either series, and you know what? That's kind of great. That's a great yeah. feeling for a change. Like you really don't know who's going to come out on top. Whereas in the past few years, it's been like, yeah, dubs, yeah, calves, like, right? You know it. But this time around, it's a little bit different, and I and I enjoy it. But like, if you put a gun to my head. Like, we always talk about LeBron going nuclear.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I have a feeling KD is kind of due. Yeah, You know? I mean, yeah. we talk about KD, and he's great. And he has these games where he finishes with, like, you know, 35, 37, whatever. Mm-hmm. He has the capability of going out and going, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go for 50. But he just yeah. rarely does it. Yeah, And he's mentioned why. Like, he said he's on part of a team where that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. But in this point of the season with Clay struggling, with Draymond struggling, with Curry, you don't really know if he's healthy or not healthy. Like, he's really (laughs) hot and cold at this point. Right. Like, seriously, KD, just suit up and go for 50. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, look, he's going to be efficient regardless because that man does not know how to be inefficient. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I I think it's time for KD to, to take a page out of LeBron's book and just go nuclear.
1: Yeah. I mean, I... You know, before the series started, I said Warriors in six. I expected basically the series went as I expected through three games Then I thought the Warriors would win game four. Houston would not get closed out at home, so they would win game five. You go back to yeah. Golden State, Warriors in six. After that game, man, I mean, you, you said it. Like, I want to bottle this feeling up. Because we truly do not know who is gonna win either series right now. It very well could be, as you know, as we all expected going into the year, it could be Warriors Cavs. Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, like no one a week from now should be like, Oh yeah, this went exactly how we thought the whole time. Like, no, right yeah. now on whatever you know, Wednesday, May twenty third, these series feel very much up in the air. Like I lean Cleveland and I lean Warriors. Actually, I don't even lean Cleveland. I have no effing clue about that Boston Cleveland series. But I lean the Warriors. I still think Warriors in six is probably the most likely outcome. But it wouldn't at all surprise me if the Rockets ended up winning the series. And frankly, like I'm just happy the Rockets acquitted themselves after you know after that Game Three blowout for them to be able to shake it off. Shake off that 12-0 start. Shake off the third quarter in Game 4. Come back and win that game. That speaks volumes about how good this Rockets team is. Like, I I think there was still, even going into this series, there was still a lot of doubt about this Rockets team and how good it was. And then they drop Game 1. You know, and they're like, ah, it's whatever. Same old Rockets. The Warriors are so good. They get routed in Game 3. It's like, ah, these Rockets were frauds. No, man, like... Whatever happens yeah. in this series from this point forward, the Rockets are really effing good. And if the Warriors <laughs> didn't exist, they would be the NBA champion favorites right now. Like they, yeah. they didn't win sixty-five games by accident. This is one of the best teams, if not the best team, the Warriors have faced in this four-year stretch. So, it, like you, I, you know, I, I lean Warriors in six, but God, I hope it's a seven-game series. That would be. Oh my God! Can you imagine? That would be epic.
3: Yeah. Honestly, and it would also be kind of necessary for for Houston because I was listening to Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe, mm-hmm. like they did the Home and Home podcast. Like Bill was on yeah, Lowe's, yeah. yeah, and Lowe was on his. And a question came up on part two, or in part two, uh, Bill said, "Is this the only year?" That the Rockins can win it. Right. Really. Like, yeah. if you imagine, like, this is the roster. Yeah. Like, assuming they, they're not getting LeBron James <laughs> this summer. Right, right. Right. I think... I don't agree with Bill often. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But this time around, I'm kind of thinking about it. Right. Yeah. I really am. Because Chris is not getting any younger. Yeah. P.J. Tucker is, what, 32?
1: Yeah. and then- 32, I think. Ariosa is a free agent this summer. Ariza, you have to resign. You need to re-
3: yeah, Capella. Chris. Yep. And you know Eric Gordon is getting older as well. Mm-hmm. Like that, this might be, you know, your one shot. Yeah. Your one shot at getting that damn ring.
1: Right. Like Iggy's banged up. And if you up. do it,
3: Iggy's banged up. Like right, all these things yeah. are just matching up perfectly. Clay can't hit anything. Raymond can't hit anything. Like if if they win the ring this year. Like it'll all be worth it. Like the yeah. committed salary down the road, you know, forget about it because you want to ring. Oh, you wanna yeah. ring against the warriors. Like yeah. that's that's everything. Yeah. Uh, and and assuming, like LeBron, obviously. Like right. you still need to play there. Right. There's that detail. But uh, there's a slight detail. Um yeah, going up against the second greatest player in history, yeah. That's <laughs> a minor thing. Minor right. inconvenience. Um no, but like he had a point, like that's partly why I've, I've there's a part of me that's sort of rooting for Houston just because this is, like, the final flight they might have in them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the Dubs, they have two rings so far. Yep. They're going to come back to the finals next year and the year after. I mean, they're going to be a dynasty. Yeah. So I, I, I think it could be fun to just see the Rockets in the finals against Boston just for the hell of it. Oh, because man. I think that could be a fun series. I mean... Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting to think like down the line where the Rockets are like if LeBron joins them then forget about everything I just said obviously. <laughs> right, right,
1: right. No that's that's why I'm rooting for the Rockets to win cuz if they win the title LeBron can't join them. Like he he just you you cannot justify like narrative. Oh, yeah, you can. Narrative wise. No,
2: no he doesn't care. He's above narrative, dude.
1: No. No, yeah, I, don't, he is. I don't think he would point, join yes. a team that just won a championship. I don't Seeing can, the backlash I don't, I don't think with KD.
3: Cares. I don't think he cares anymore. He went through that entire thing in Miami. I think he doesn't give a flying mother fudge. <laughs>
1: it's possible, but I, I think... I don't think he cares. I think I, I if they think lost, it's more conceivable than if they win.
3: You just wrote an article I saying LeBron... Was all, you know, he should be all about them ranks right now.
1: He should be. But if he goes to then a team he, that just won a ring, then he's going to look like even more of a front runner than KD did in 2016. Who cares? KD who cares? does. Like, he, two years into who, it. Like, he KD, has burner accounts. Last time I, I
3: checked, LeBron didn't have burner accounts. You're talking about one of the, you know, I, I love KD, but he's one of the softest, softest people, like personalities in the NBA.
1: But Braun like, went through that too. Like, We're forgetting that 2010 11, Braun was like just as moody and dour as KD is right now. The difference is that he got over it when he won that ring that second year in Miami. And like KD has won a ring already and he's now in his second year, finishing up his second year. And it still seems like, you know, based on the Blog Boys comment and everything, like he still seems to be. He's
3: he's sour. He's
1: always going to be sour.
3: Like, he's. Look, I don't think LeBron. I think LeBron is just. He's so global now. Yeah. That he don't give a damn. I think he doesn't give a flying fuck about what te- you know teams or fans or players whatever they're saying. Like it it's not an issue. Like He's LeBron James. <laughs> you know, it's possible. Like, re- rem- rem- remember when he said at that press conference when he was in Miami, like, I'm still going to live my life, and when I wake up in the morning, you'll live yours or whatever. Yeah, like, right, right, like, right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, who can who can point fingers to that? Because that's true. Uh, he's going to wake up in a mansion, and, and we're most certainly not. So I don't think he cares one bit
1: we're gonna have to debate that one at a later time because uh yeah i i do i do have some takes and i guess as you referenced i did my column this week forgive me sport was all about lebron just like just needing to leave cleveland in general because you know statistically he's already or he's going to surpass michael jordan very soon if he hasn't already so the only thing oh, statistically that, yeah like
3: oh he's oh no he's done that like if you look at it from a strictly statistical standpoint, LeBron is GOAT.
1: Right, right. Outside of like he Jordan still leads him in point regular season points by like 12 or 1300 something like that, but LeBron's right, going to pass him next year and it's like LeBron is going to end
3: up in, with a career like 35,000 points, 10,000 boards, 10,000 assists. Or yeah. Like statistically speaking, LeBron is going to be the greatest of all time. What you're talking about is, you know, the competitive things such as rings, and you're talking yeah. about the narrative, because the narrative is always going to play a part in this thing. Right. And, I mean, look, Michael, I think the biggest thing with Mike was him sitting out for 18 months. Yeah. And coming back and winning another 3 Pete. hmm Like, that's, I think that's what did it. Yeah. No, like, that's, absolutely. Uh, that's just, I, I can't even comprehend. Like, if you could imagine, could you imagine the media if a guy did that now? <laughs> yeah, like, Ron, right. Removed himself from the game for eighteen months, came back and and won three titles in a row. Like tsh, I mean, Twitter would be insane.
1: Look at how people have fallen all over themselves this year when Kawhi, like this whole mystery Kawhi situation. Yeah, now, if yeah. a player like Kawhi Leonard then just is like, no, I'm going to leave the NBA for eighteen months.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It's yeah. so so narrative plays a factor, and I think maybe we should just look at it as there's goats in eras. Yeah. Like, maybe we I should like just that. split it up. Yeah, I, I mean, because that might be the best way to do it. Like, I think it's such a shame that Bill Russell is getting right crapped on because he was so great. He was so dominant, but he just played in an era where, like, if you put Prime Shaq
1: into that <laughs> yeah, era, yeah. like, right. Bill Russell would be like, who? Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, Kareem, too. Like, I, I like the goat I idea per era because then you could yeah. have, like, you got Will and Bill Russell early. You got to have Kareem and uh, right. you know Oscar Robertson. You can have Magic and Bird. You can have MJ. I'm leaving Kobe out. You could have Tim Duncan. You could have. <laughs> LeBron. You should have like
3: with t- with twenty years intervals. Like you should have from you know from 1980 to 2000, and then you know if you go backwards from this 1960 to 1980, and then 1940s 1960 or something like that. Because I think twenty years, ten years is too short.
1: Right, like The game doesn't change enough, but yeah. 20 years? Hell yeah. yeah, it does. I like it. Let, let's submit it to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I
3: don't think they will take my phone call, honestly. <laughs> Hi, not. This, is, this is a
1: dame. Yeah. <laughs> no. Alright, that's a good place to wrap up. We'll have plenty more LeBron James legacy discussion and free agent discussion in the coming months, because soon we're not going to have anything better to do. But until then, follow us on Twitter, at the NBA pod. We're still going to keep pump it out good stuff uh we'll have a conference finals recap in a couple days and as well as the nba finals preview we'll do the by felicia's for whichever two teams get knocked out so follow us at the nba pod for all of that you can also find our twitter handles in our bio so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some five-star reviews we'd love any feedback we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. Enjoy the rest of the conference finals. I will, Brian. Thank you. You too. And uh, you know, we,
3: we're both going to be a lot better than Carl Anthony Towns these days. Which we really need to touch on in the next pod.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll also be have, we'll be doing a off season brouhaha pod coming up soon as well, and we will touch on. Sounds
3: for first pick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah. Well, get get excited for that as well.